Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We come today to look at five great biblical principles must be reckoned with by all who value their souls to ignore these five great biblical principles or statements is to reject the warning signals that God has placed on the way of life as we travel through it. Eternal issues could put up a sign. Eternal issues are at stake. These issues reckon with life and how we ought to live it death and how we ought to prepare for it, and eternity and how we ought to face it. The first one is this, great biblical principle set forth in the Word of God as you read it and you begin in the book of Genesis and go all the way through. Number one, all will not be saved. All will not be saved. Contrary to what the world may say, contrary to what any one may say, the Bible teaches that all will not be saved. Somebody said, I was, I was born a good person or a good uh, Christian, and I, I've never come to the place in my life where I realized I was lost and needed the Savior. Well, that is not exactly the truth. You see, everyone must reckon with this that when you're born in this world, you're born into sin. And everyone must reckon with the Savior concerning eternal issues of whether or not they are saved. It's not a, a nation problem. It's not a family problem. It's an individual problem. Every person must reckon with the fact that all will not be saved. The universalists teach that all are brothers. The doctrine of universalism teaches that God is father of all and that all men are brothers and therefore a loving God that loves all mankind will not let anyone go into hell fire. Now the Bible doesn't teach that, friend. The Bible makes a distinction. There is a difference between the saved and the lost. The Bible makes a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. Between the just and the unjust between those that are on the way to heaven and those that are on the way to hell the Bible makes a distinction and a division 
in John's gospel when Jesus appeared on the scene began preaching you have three times over it says in John's gospel there was a division because of him there was a division because of him the people were divided because of Jesus Christ and that's always been true Christ is the great divider now let me point out some things from scripture that will uh, be in line with what we just said this great biblical statement all will not be saved remember the sheep and the goats Jesus talked about in Matthew 25 he said there are sheep and then there are goats and you can dress a goat up and fix him up and spray him good with all kinds of perfume and put uh, and dress him down real good and everything he'll still be a goat Jesus made a distinction between sheep and goats he called his own people sheep and he said there are goats also you'll notice in the scriptures says the door is open to the sheep it is closed against the goats and then in Matthew 13 he talked about wheat and tares he made a distinction between wheat and tares and the tares or the darnel that grows in the field looks exactly like the wheat and the only way you can tell is the time of harvest the time of harvest he said the kingdom of God is like that and he said he said leave the tares alone for if you try to 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 get out all of the tares out of the wheat field you will pull up some of the wheat he said Jesus said there is a distinction between wheat and tares he said the Lord shall divide there is a division coming and then you remember in Matthew 25 he talked about the wise and the foolish he, he's talking about a wedding and he said uh, that they went forth to meet the bridegroom as the custom was in that day and some left without enough oil and their lights went out and when the bridegroom came their lights were out and they asked for oil from their uh, neighbors their friends but they didn't have enough they didn't have enough and so Jesus said there is the wise and the foolish and then he talked about the broad and the narrow he talked about the broad and the narrow way Jesus said life is like this there is a great broad way that leads down to destruction there is a narrow way that leads upward to heaven and he said to be careful that you don't get on this broad way that leads down to destruction and to death and then he talked about heaven and hell Luke 16 you mean the Lord Jesus said all these things he certainly did and he is he's relating back to this principle that's set forth all will not be saved he talks about sheep and goats wheat and, and the tares the wise and the foolish the broad and the narrow heaven and hell did you know he said more about hell than he did about heaven 
Did you know Jesus talked more about hell than he did about the new birth or any other major doctrine in the Bible? And so this great truth is set forth. All will not be saved. There's a second one. And that is the majority will be lost. Now this one is a real shocker. To think of the majority of people that you know will be lost forever. Why? Because some just neglect and some put it off and some know that they need to get right with God and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior but they just haven't come to that place yet. And the Bible teaches that the majority will be lost. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying more will be lost than will be saved. I don't know whether that upsets you or not, but it does me. That the majority will be lost. And somebody might say, well, how can a God of love consign the majority to eternal perdition? This God of love is also set forth in Scripture as a God of wrath and a God who will allow men to go down the pathway to destruction if they are determined to do so. i give you an example. In the time of the flood, how many were saved? How many were saved in the time of the flood? Only eight souls. There were only eight souls inside this ark. And you can look at the flood, the flood waters that were broken up, and the waters that came up from beneath and came down from above, and the flood that rose and drowned out everything. The only ones saved were eight inside the ark. I'm saying to you the majority will be lost. And God sets that forth in the Bible. Only eight were saved and all the others perished. In the time of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, how many people came out of the fire that fell from heaven down upon the five cities of the plains? When the judgment of God hit those cities, how many people were actually saved out of other cities. Only three. Now listen to me. Only eight in the flood. Only three actually were saved out of those cities of the plains. You remember Lot's wife? She turned around, looked back, and when she looked back, she turned to a pillar of salt. That is a miracle, but it's so. She turned to a pillar of salt. Here's one. When Israel was in the wilderness and came through the 40 years of wilderness, how many people actually went into the land of Canaan out of that generation? Only two. Are you getting the picture now? Only eight, only three, 
comes down to this. Do we really know God? Do we really know him? Not only in a set of doctrines, not only in a creed of doctrines, and not only just reading the Bible, but is he a part of us? Is that God that rules the universe, is he a part of us? Does he live in our hearts? Are we on a personal basis with him? If you could visit all of the churches this morning as having services, just as we're having, how many would you think in all of the churches that really know God? Say, well, there's some, sure. Thank God for that. Thank God for you that know the Lord. But I am saying to you this is a principle that's set forth in the book of Genesis, the book of Revelation, that the majority of people will be lost. That's a great, great principle. Most folks think that God is sitting upon the uh, rim of the universe or the circle of the earth and, he, and he's something like a great giant computer. And if you do wrong, he puts a cross mark by your name. If you do right, he gives you a check mark. Kind of a checklist. That's not the God of the Bible, friends. No, sir. This God of the Bible says the way to come into a right relationship with him is through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to do business with him. There's a third great biblical principle and if you'll turn with me now to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Many will perish who expect to be saved. That's another one. All will not be saved. The majority will be lost. And third, many will perish who expect to be saved. Now notice this passage in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils or demons. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here's the shocker. He said, I never knew you. You did religious work. But I never knew you. You preached in my name. You cast out demons. You did many wonderful works. But I never knew you. Here is what you would say life's most embarrassing moment. Folks are self-deceived in this passage. 
they believe and they've convinced themselves that they expect to be saved but they're going to be lost I'm saying to you this morning this great principle runs through the word of God many will perish who expect to be saved it pays to check foundations to be sure that you know Jesus Christ do you know him do you know him what a terrible thought this would be comes this hour to stand before the Lord of glory and for him to say I never knew you I never knew you here's what it'd be like great big building going up down in Burlington and here's the men getting ready to go to work tomorrow morning and one is pushing a wheelbarrow and the other's laying brick and and other one's doing this job and this one's doing that one and so on and you just go down and join them and go to work and you work as hard and maybe harder than the rest of them and then the foreman on the job come by and say and you say I want my wages and he'd say what I don't know you I never knew you. I don't know you. Can you see this? Can you picture this? And then there's a fourth thing. There is no salvation after death. Now listen to me. There's a lot of nonsense about this. There is no salvation after death. If you're going to get saved, you have to get saved now, in this life. Turn to one passage in the book of Acts, chapter 4, and verse 12. Acts 4, and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. That narrows it down now. For there is none other name under heaven. That makes it even narrower. Given among men. Whereby. We must. Be saved. There is only one name. Given under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Christ. That's the name of Jesus. And notice this, under heaven, it's not after death, but it's here and now. If you're ever going to get saved, you have to do it in this life. For there is no salvation after death. In Luke 16, it talks about uh, a great gulf between those that go to heaven and those that go to hell. There's a great gulf. First thing about it, it is fixed. It's fixed. It's a fixed place. It means it can never be moved. It is permanent. There's 
second thing, it's impassable. You can't go from one to the other. When death takes place, that's it. It's fixed, it's impassable. It's fixed and it's impassable. No one can pass from one to the other. There's no second chance. The cults, the Jehovah Witness and the rest of the cults, some that teach this, that after death, if you don't get right with God in this life, after death you'll have another chance. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says after death, then there's judgment. After death, there's judgment. In spite of the number of times that many have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, some still have the idea that he will always be available. I'm saying to you, friend, once death overtakes you, this thing has to be settled before then. It has to be settled before then. And it doesn't matter who it is. It stands up at your uh, funeral. And it doesn't matter what he says. You will already be gone where you're going. I'm saying to you, this is a great principle set forth in the word of God. If you're ever going to get saved, you've got to do it under heaven. You've got to do it here and now. You got to reckon with Jesus Christ now. Now. And then there's a fifth thing. Turn to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 and 1. <clears throat> Proverbs 27, 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That is, this may be your last opportunity. That's a principle too. This may be your last opportunity. Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. And death is sure. Death is sure. Just now, down at the funeral parlor, they might have received your coughing already say that to scare you or mine might be over there we don't know I'm saying this may be your last opportunity to get right with God that's the way it's set forth throughout all of the word of God life is uncertain and then <clears throat> Jesus is coming you believe that Jesus is coming and he may come today. And if he doesn't come today, he may come tomorrow. But he's coming. 
I'm saying life is uncertain. Jesus is coming. And then a third thing, God's Spirit may cease to strive with some heart. He strives. Thank the Lord He does. But there comes a time when He ceases to strive. He ceases to strive with men's hearts. I believe that He's speaking to somebody present this morning. <clears throat> I was waiting in the doctor's office. I picked up a magazine and I was reading. Took, uh, I had to sit there quite a while to see the doctor. And in this magazine, I forget which one it was, I read of a plane. That, well, we have a lot of planes going down lately. And I read of this plane that went down. <clears throat> this plane was bound from New York to New York from a destination and bound to New York. The pilot realized that the landing gear refused to engage. He tried to make it engage and it would not move. The landing gear would not work. He'd work with it and work with it then he asked the control tower when he seen it wouldn't work he said to the control tower give me an instruction now what should I do I'm running out of gas I've got to land this plane and uh, I'm in trouble the young girls on the plane came through and they were telling the passengers place your head between your knees one of those I can't believe is happening to me kind of thing you know and then when they started down had to land this plane. They started down the final descent of the plane. The pilot's voice came back on. It wasn't far, just a few seconds from the ground. Here's what he said. This is the thing that I took note to, what he said. He said, we're, we're beginning our final descent. And in accordance with the international aviation codes established in Geneva it's my obligation to inform you if you believe there is a God you'd have commenced to pray now don't forget what I said there's just a few seconds from the ground I'm happy to say this plane made a a good landing. Nobody was injured and I read on to find that out and I want you to know that. But the amazing thing to me was this. The only thing that brought out the fact that somebody might believe that God is there was in such a crisis pushed to the brink back to the wall right up to the wire and all escape routes closed 
said then would our society acknowledge that God might be out there if you want to commence praying. Oh, listen to me, friend. This may be your last opportunity to be saved this day. Maybe your last day on the earth. We do not know. We're in the hands of a God. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Not a dead God that can do nothing but a living God. Let's stand together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Now the Lord has helped us this morning. And if you're in this building without Jesus Christ, I sound a warning to you. God has helped us once more to say to you that there's only one way to heaven and that's through the Son of God and if you're ever going to get saved, you have to do it now, here and now in this life. Oh, my friend, if death overtakes you, if the Lord Jesus returns, it'll all be over. While you have time and opportunity, while you're among those who love you, while you're among those who pray for you, while God is present in the service, in spite of everything that the devil can put into the heart and mind at this time, God is in this building now. And he's speaking. And the day will come when God's spirit ceases to strive with the heart of man. That takes place many times on a Sunday just like this when God is speaking and man is rebelling against him our fathers we wait before thee we pray that the spirit of God shall use the word today we pray for those who are yet outside the ark of safety Lord may they see that they're in the final descent going down and if they're ever going to commence to acknowledge this God, they need to do it today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. With our heads